Now, welcome to the Embark Pod mini pod brought to you by Embark Group. We take a snapshot look at some of the finer topics from across the industry in this. And today we've got Randeep Sommel, who's uh, the uh, fund manager, M&G Climate Solutions Fund, and the author of a rather fascinating article, The Coming Decade for Climate Solutions. Randeep, welcome and thanks for being with us. Uh, it really is an extraordinary article, I mean, because it takes us through really all the various ways in which climate solutions are becoming part of the investing universe. Let me kick off, if I may, by just asking you, just explain, for those who don't know, what climate climate solutions are. Hello, Roger, and it's uh, wonderful to be here with you today. Um, yeah, so let, let's talk about climate solutions. Um, there are many ways to look at climate when it comes in the context of, a, of an equity portfolio. We have low carbon funds, we have carbon transition funds, and then at the top of the stack, we have climate solutions. So I'll very quickly just run through them. A low carbon fund basically doesn't invest in any organizational company or equity that transmits a lot of carbon. So software companies will fall into that. Some consumer companies will fall into that. It's just saying, look, we are completely staying away from anything that might be a high emitter and therefore causing this problem of climate change, although it might not be part of the solution at all. Then next up the rung, you have climate transition funds. And what they in effect do is say, right, we are targeting areas that we believe are high emitters today, but we believe have it in their ability and are on a path to lowering their own emissions. These can actually be companies that we believe are problematic, such as mining companies, especially around fossil fuels, petrol companies, chemical companies, and all they're effectively doing is reducing the amount of carbon or greenhouse gases that they are emitting. While broadly positive, it's going to go nowhere near solving the size of the issue that we have. And then at the top of the pyramid, effectively, we have climate solutions. And that is what the MNG fund and what we are trying to do with the climate solutions portfolio. We are only investing in companies around the world which provides solutions to this problem of climate change. Companies whose products and services directly reduce or completely eliminate the requirement for carbon in the atmosphere. Now, the second question is, so how do you prove that what you do is different to any of the other funds? So we have very strict criteria, and that criteria is that every single company that we invest in has to prove it has a net positive climate contribution. And what we mean by that is that the amount of CO2 they are reducing or saving or helping others save is more than what the company emits itself through its scope one, two and three emissions. So it has to start off at the very least showing that right now it's not part of the problem and it is in either something they're producing themselves or they're enabling other companies to reduce that carbon in the atmosphere. So we have a very, very high level of scrutiny when it comes to the types of companies that we invest in. Yeah, because Randy, I was going to pick up on that and say, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard the term greenwash. It's out there. People who uh, worry that what they're investing in may say it's green, but actually isn't. And I mean, what you're talking about really is a very robust approach that makes sure that doesn't happen. 
Yeah, I mean, greenwashing is going to be our biggest issue in this field. A lot of companies talk a good game. They realise that climate is a good area to be in, both from an investor perspective, from a regulatory perspective. But of course, you really need to get it under the bonnet of what a company is doing. And for that, you need data and a lot of it. Sometimes the companies provide that data. Sometimes they don't. The, the, the bar that we have is that we cannot take anecdotal stories as climate solutions. We have to be able to prove the figures and make sure that that net climate positive contribution is there. Now, Randy, the other issue I suppose it always comes into people's minds when they think about this, they say, well, it, it, it's great. It's obviously it's investing with a purpose. But is there a trade off going on here? Are you actually going to make less money? Is the return going to be less? just because of these other factors that you're bringing in? Not at all, and I actually think quite the opposite. We have a fantastic growth tailwind for the next three decades. Um, nearly every country in the world, every developed country in the world certainly now, has put in place regulations to ensure that the amount of emittance they're doing at the country level, at the industry level, at the consumer level begins to fall. We are directly targeting those companies that provide the solutions in order to do that. And um, the other thing that is quite positive now is that the economics of climate sustainability work on their own. To give an example, it is more cheaper and cost effective today to build a wind farm or a solar park than it is to build a brand new coal-fired power station. And, and on top of that, you don't have the added regulatory risks uh, from carbon pricing or just being regulated out that other industries do. I think actually what we're seeing here today is that you're not having to forgo any profitability or any returns going forward. In fact, you are de-risking your portfolio and putting yourselves in a very good position for the decades of growth that lie ahead. Well, let me play devil's advocate again and say, hang on, a lot of what you're talking about, the profitability of this is because of the collapse in, in fossil fuel prices. Now, that, um, you know, in a way, it, the collapse in fossil fuel prices is what's underlying it, but fossil fuel prices go up and down. So the profitability inevitably of the non-fossil fuel area is going to change as well. Not when you're regulating these areas out. Countries now have limits on what fossil fuel burning they can do going forward. Um, so it's not exactly a direct comparator to fossil fuel. So another example, the UK is going to completely ban the sale of brand new um, combustion engine cars by the year 2030. There is no point in anyone investing in combustion cars, nor is there any point in Shell or BP continuing to build out their um, petrol stations in these countries. These regulations are coming. And the positive part about the positive climate solutions is that we've only just scratched the surface. We have an incredibly long runway to go. The, the targets that we set are ambitious, but it's going to take a lot of capital, a lot of ingenuity and technology in order to get there. One of the really most interesting things I think in your in your article was talking about the ways in which new solutions are coming through that, that I guess you guys are, are helping along. I mean, one thing caught my eye was this uh, rock wool company, stone wool insulation for new builds. I mean, you guys are, are generating the uh, ways forward to, to whole new areas of, of, of working with substances in ways that are carbon neutral or even better than that. Indeed. I mean, I mean rock wool is a fantastic example. It uses stone, volcanic stone wool melts it down and uses it for insulation for buildings. There is no other material that is as good for building insulation than Danish listed 
Um, rock walls, it is a bit more expensive, but when you do the economics of what they are doing, by some distance over its lifetime, it pays itself back. And we take a complete ESG approach to this portfolio. Um, so if you look at the issues that we've had regarding insulation, especially here in the UK, where um, insulation can actually be conducive, unfortunately, to fires, Rockwall's stonewall insulation actually operates as a fire retardant. So it actually solves another issue at the same time. Hence, we think that this company, with its products, with its IP, has a very strong future. Because you're pushing what they call the circular economy, the idea, obviously, of recycling. But that's that's really taking off at the moment, isn't it? Thankfully, absolutely. I mean, when we speak, when we think of climate, everyone gets very absorbed in power generation. Um, and, and it's true, and quite rightly, they should. More than half of all emissions are caused by power generation, but the rest aren't. And if we're going to reach those Paris climate goals, we need to tackle each and every single area. And what better than the circular economy, which is the ability to reduce, reuse and recycle products that we have today. That means we don't need virgin, more virgin material tomorrow. It's better for the planet and it's better for your pocket. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Paris Climate Accords, because I think that's very much in people's minds at the moment. And there's been change. Uh, in fact, to enter two dragons, the eagle, or two animals, the eagle and the dragon, uh, that is China and the USA. Now, they're both getting involved more now than before. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's very positive. I think if we look all the way back to 1997, when the Kyoto Protocol was brought in, the globe's first attempt to have limits on carbon emissions, the biggest drawbacks then were that China, although they signed up to Kyoto, didn't put any binding targets in place. And then an incoming new incoming US president in the name of George W. Bush took his country out of it. You have the two world's largest economies and also the world's two largest polluters outside a global framework. It doesn't work. And with Paris in 2015, we had exactly the same situation again. China signed up with no binding targets whatsoever. An incoming US president, this time Donald J. Trump, took his country out. What was very positive, and I think the two most significant events when it comes to climate change last year, was President Xi Jinping on the 22nd of September told an assembly via video link to the UN that China would now incorporate binding targets within its national economic plan. This economic plan previously had only ever targeted economic growth. This is a huge development. On the other, and on the other side, uh, the eagle, uh, President Biden, was elected on November 3rd. He made a climate a key plank of his campaign and he was successfully voted in. He has re-signed the US up to the Paris climate deal. Now, it's not all plain sailing from here. He has to get legislation through the House and the Senate, which won't be easy. But we are now on a much better path. And he's appointed John Kerry, the former U.S. Secretary of State, as his climate czar. And Kerry has already put forward 56 initiatives that the U.S. government can take without congressional approval when it comes to reducing carbon emissions. And Randy, I mean, it's fascinating. You, you talk about a kind of three-legged stool. And I think that's important because we're talking about government there. Industry and consumers are the other two legs, and you have to have them all three, don't you? Absolutely. It doesn't work without three. This is such an all-encompassing challenge globally that you need all countries on board. You need government regulation to be there, as well as uh, government stimulus. And we can maybe touch on the EU stimulus program later. You then need industry to change the way that it operates and how it deploys its own capital. And then you need consumer behaviour to change and consumer patterns to change. We are not doing enough 
not nearly enough. But the fact that we have these three stakeholders on board today shows that we are moving in the right direction. Well, you mentioned the EU there. And finally, just tell us, where, where's the EU moving on this? Well, the EU has always been at the forefront of sustainability, which has been very positive. But being alone and doing that um, doesn't really win you anything, to be quite frank. Um, what you need is to get other countries on board. Now that we have, under this framework, all the other countries coming in, I think the EU, EU can even push further and further in terms of developing these plans. And let's see if the rest of the world follows. And the EU has begun in two areas. One is the EU stimulus plan, which is incorporating Build Back Better. So the EU have said that any stimulus it promotes, not just this one post-COVID, but anyone in the future, has to incorporate green goals and principles in it. Otherwise, the EU will not provide any financing for it. So any stimulus package now has to go towards that. And the stimulus that we're seeing from them today, the areas that we've touched on, moving away from fossil fuel power generation, the EU will fund that, building efficiency, in older buildings. The EU will help fund that transition and create jobs at the same time and also increase the push for the infrastructure for electric vehicles. The EU will fund uh, electric power charging stations. The second part of it is the EU taxonomy. The EU is putting together a classification system for all companies, public and private, within its scope to show how green or not they are. And that way, the EU can itself ensure that finance and capital is pushed towards green areas. But it also means that we as investors, both private and public, can do exactly the same. And there's a classification system out there to show us which are the right areas or the merit areas to invest in and which are the wrong or the demerit areas to invest in. So I think the point that you touched on earlier, it will help wash out the greenwashing that we've seen. <laughs> and, to go, and to say another little analogy, I would say the wind is in your sails at the moment as far as climate solutions are concerned, certainly from everything you've been saying. But Randy, that's just fascinating. Randy Sommel there, my thanks to you, Fund Manager, MNG Climate Solutions Fund. I do recommend that article, The Coming Decade for Climate Solutions. But that's it from this Embark mini-pod. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with another one before long. I'm Roger Hearing for us for now. Bye-bye.